You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. And now, Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you make the beauty of your own glory known? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, today is the first day of Advent, so I guess Happy New Year is in order. You know, this is our Rosh Hashanah. This is our liturgical new year. But as Christians, we know that we're on a pilgrim's journey toward a definitive goal or end. We're moving somewhere. In fact, I think so much of the malaise and discontent of our own current moment in time really pertains to the modern loss of any sense of purpose or meaning. Yet within the movement in time, this forward movement, our, our pilgrim journey, together to the celestial city. We have this repeating cycle in our church's calendar, this wheel of worshiping existence, a kind of a moving circle on top of a forward-moving line. And today marks a new year, a new beginning. I have to tell you that I find enormous comfort in the changes of the seasons. I, I can't get enough of the fall leaves. And I also find comfort in the cyclical patterns of our church's calendar. You realize that next year around this time, someone will say, Happy Advent to you, as they did back in 1819, and will again in 2020, and once again in 2035. This season offers us a moment to stop, to breathe in deeply, to reflect once again on the most important event in the history of the world, the most important event in our lives. When Jesus stepped into time, and when King Jesus will return again in that future day. You know, in the Jewish tradition, when they ended their Passover celebrations, they would say collectively, next year in Jerusalem. They have hope that they will be gathered back in Jerusalem at some point in the future. Next year in Jerusalem. We're not there yet, but perhaps, perhaps next year. And the season of Advent works this way for us as well, because Advent, like Passover, looks back at God's action in time. Jesus came into the world wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Yet Advent season is also a forward-looking hope to God's future return, that, that moment when heaven and earth will collide with one another. And Advent season catches us in the middle of these two moments in time. And this season is one that's filled with desperate cries. Oh, Lord Jesus, please come back and make everything new. We feel the brokenness of our world. We know the brokenness of our own lives. Come back. We need your comfort. So who knows? Maybe next year we'll experience Advent together in the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth. That'd be pretty great. Isaiah chapter 40 is a perfect Advent text. It speaks directly into the moment where memories of God's past redemption meet the desperate desperation of our own current moment. The oh Lord, how long moments. The moments between Advent 1 and Advent 2 when the Lord Jesus returns to make everything right. And what's the message of the prophet to God's people in this moment? 
What's the prophetic word for those who have known the blowing heat of God's own judgment and the burden and the effects of their own sin, beleaguered and weighed down as they are? Hear the prophetic word of the Lord to you this morning. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. You know, this message is probably one of the most famous lines in all of the Old Testament. Thanks to our our good friend, George Frederick Handel. As I was preparing for the sermon this week, I, I had Handel's Messiah playing in the background. You realize that Handel composed the Messiah in kind of a manic fit over a 24-day period. It's a remarkable feat. You remember how the Messiah begins? After about three minutes of heavy bowing in the first movement, the strings quiet, and then they turn lyrical, pensive and reflective and lullaby-like, and, and then floats in the tenor and offers us what we so desperately need, comfort ye. You see, Handel captures the spirit of Isaiah's great redemptive turn at chapter 40. The soft tones of that aria wrap around us like a blanket, just like Isaiah's words are intended to. The heaviness of God's judgment has come upon them. The memories are fresh and the wounds are still sore. And in just a few verses, you're going to hear the prophet himself say, all flesh is grass and all of his steadfastness or his faithfulness is like the grass of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade and all people are grass. <laughs> you know, like those Mother Day, Mother's Day flowers in the center of your dining room table that in time begin to droop over. Like the grass, of, the green grass that we know in the summer that turns brown in the cold of the winter. All of us are like this. And it's not just a picture of our lives. It's a picture of our faithfulness and our piety, says the prophet. It grows cold, it withers, and it fades. You see, the people of God addressed in Isaiah chapter 40 do not lack self-awareness. They have been roused from their slumbers by the heat of God's breath, and they know who they are. And even in the face of God's great offer of comfort to them, they struggle to respond with any enthusiasm. All flesh is grass. We'll come back to this in a moment. But what's the word of comfort that God offers to them? The God of the Bible who wounds is also the God who heals. The God of Israel who displays his power also reveals his tenderness. This God offers the kind of healing and saving comfort that overcomes any and every obstacle. In the face of rebellion and sin, he makes a highway. He makes a way to you. He sets his saving intentions toward us and literally, come hell or high water, he will bring healing in his wings. You see what Isaiah tells us? If there's a valley that makes passage difficult, God will raise it and make it passable. If there's a mountain that appears in the way, it's going to be made low. Who is that one coming over the mountain there? He's making a beeline for us. And he's bringing the comfort of his redemption with him. He's bringing the comfort of his forgiveness. He's coming in the strength of his tenderness. And we need him to hold us.
This is the promise of Isaiah's gospel hope. This is the promise that was offered so long ago to a beleaguered nation. And it's a promise that remains open for all future times. It remains open for you and for me this morning, for those in need of comfort, the kind of comfort that can only come from knowing that God does not relate to us according to our sins, but he moves toward us with words of comfort, with a determined intention to save us. And Isaiah tells us this morning that nothing can get in his way, no mountain, no valley. His cross makes all crooked paths straight. So perhaps you're here this morning, and the seasons of Advent and Christmas bring with them annual discouragement and disappointment and loss. This is a difficult season for you for whatever reason. From the mad rush of the season to the absence of someone you love around the Christmas table to the perceived emptiness of it all. My wife and I yesterday were at a funeral for a friend in Tuscaloosa. And we've known this friend for some time and she struggled with mental health until the day of her death. Deeply discouraged and pained by her life's existence. And while we were there at this funeral, we saw pictures of her around the, around the fellowship hall. And there she was as a high schooler in her college, in her cheerleading outfit, and in college on her way to sorority parties, all smiles. And, and we knew her all broken. She didn't need Isaiah to remind her that all flesh is grass and like the flower of the field. And I imagine some of you are all too aware as well. And find yourselves in need of comfort. You see, we put on good faces. We're, we're masters at that. But we all know the reality. We know there's a wilderness. Can you listen this morning to God's response to humanity's discouragement? This is what God says. The grass withers and the flowers do fade. But the word of God stands forever. You see, we're such moving targets. Who even knows our physical and emotional state a year from now or a month from now? People in need of comfort are people in need of something secure and stable and unmovable and enduring, not caught up in our own unpredictable rhythms and patterns. And God wants you to know in this season of Advent that if you're looking for something stable, whose promises will never fade, whose truths will never grow tired, something that you could hold fast to and take as a secure buoy in life's ravaging sea, then look to God's Word. Hold fast to God's enduring promises. It never fades like a flower. It never withers. It stands forever. And here is God's Word to you, weary sinner, on this first Sunday of Advent. It's a word that will never fade and will never grow tired. It goes like this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to the heart of Jerusalem. Her warfare is over and her sins have been covered. Amen.
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.